0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks that's that's where it all starts It all starts taking care of business in-house
1: in the central division.
0: That's right, I'm a meatball. White Sox fans welcome in to another edition of Sox on tap this one a little bit different uh we got a support group going tonight if the White Sox ruined your summer this is the place to be I am Johnny Nottie joined for the first time this year by our guy Akins. Kins Kins, it's great to have you on man I wish it was under better circumstances how you doing?
1: Johnny it could be worse I mean I think a lot of the pain and the anguish from the season officially being over um Left me on Tuesday. I think uh, if right. we're speaking in terms of the death of this White Sox season, I would say that uh, occurred on Tuesday. Yesterday was the wake. Today was just the funeral. So kind of the cherry on top of uh, what was a really pitiful season. But you know, nonetheless, it's good to be here with you talking White Sox
0: baseball, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I really like that uh, rundown that you gave there. Uh, That looks like an appropriate schedule of events for the way things unfolded. Obviously, uh, White Sox suffering a sweep at the hands of the Guardians uh, in the most crucial series of the year. I know we've had a lot of those. We said that a lot. It's the biggest game of the year, Um, a a whole lot this year. But um, obviously this one, if they could have swept, there would have been some life breathe into you know the, this fan base into the team itself i think uh you could have sustained a little of that momentum so to say that they had uh the little bit that they did build uh after tlr exited the dugout and they went out west uh, and had a decent road trip but um obviously th- this just showed I think after watching tonight's game, um, it was death March last night, uh, like Steve titled the episode, but tonight, um, like you said, really, really was the funeral and it was the final nail in the coffin. And these guys are just absolutely deflated, man. It sucks to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, just not a lot of life out there. Um, especially it was a pretty stark contrast from, uh, the crowd from Tuesday night's game to, uh, both tonight and last night. So, um, Reasonably so. The fans are kind of out of it, too. I don't blame them. Um, It's just not something you really want to watch right now. But, yeah, you know, there was a lot of hope coming into this. Um, For the past few weeks, there's been the whole saying that pretty much every game uh, was the biggest game of the year. And it just kind of felt like the Sox didn't really feel that way. Uh, Pretty different tune over there in the Cleveland Guardians clubhouse. Um, Austin Hedges was quoted as saying last night that um, they don't rise to the occasion because the occasion is every day. And you would have hoped that the Sox would have had that mentality the rest of the way here. Um, But, you know, it just seems like Cleveland really had that approach more than the Sox did. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's a good quote you bring up. And I think it's interesting when you kind of, juxtapose that right with something like Lance Lynn said and said, well, when you play like shit all year, you can't really be shocked of where you're at. Right. So obviously various uh, varying messages here uh, from the opposing clubhouses and obviously at opposing uh, stances where they are in the standings right now, uh, Cleveland is going to take this division. Um, Let's be honest. They they would have to be a White Sox win out, Cleveland loses out, and that ain't happening. We we all know that. So um, technically not mathematically done. But come on, let's be real. Everyone knows it's over, as Hawk would say. Um, we, we got a comment in here. Ron Davis says socks ruined my summer, but since I chose not to get up for the letdown this week, I'm chilling. I think that's a good mentality. We've preached here on socks on tap. Don't get up for the letdown. From yours truly, um, I have said that, so I'm glad, Ron. Uh, that's the case, but. Overall, when I look back at it, Kins, man, um, obviously we we could get into the nitty gritty of tonight's game, but I don't think any White Sox fan really wants to relive uh, that pain. Let's talk about this, this whole issue then of the White Sox ruining our summer, man. I can't remember another season in which I have left more games early just because the White Sox are putting up such pitiful efforts. Can you?
1: No, uh, I'm pretty much in the same boat with you. And, feels like pretty much every home game that was kind of stapled as you know some of the worst games of the year uh it feels like I I was there with you for most of those uh so we both sat through that Josh Naylor game where um he put in his bid to forcefully overtake the White Sox ownership from the grasp of Jerry Reinsdorf's (laughs) old hands um
0: Like Aaron Rodgers owns
1: the Bears, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'd say along the same lines as that. Um, and that was a bad one. You know, we had a pretty bad one that Baltimore series where we waited out the rain and we're all excited for Lance Linde only to watch the Sox lose three out of four, um, to the Orioles, which at, at that point in, in time in the season, uh, was really supposed to be a big series that they were going to make up a lot of ground, but just came out flat and laid an egg in that Saturday game. Um, we can go on and on. And then, you know, kind of right. the other bookend, um, another Cleveland game was the one we were at Tuesday. Just, you know, yeah, a lot of emotions going. And then, you know, things don't go great with how the bullpen was managed. And the next thing you know, uh Minkata is flying at flailing at a ball that goes down the third baseline and the Sox are down five after Jake Diekman uh, was just incapable of getting an out. Yeah, Jack Dickman, as I
0: call him. Yeah, uh, I I went back for a second serving of pain because I had Tuesday and Wednesday of that series. I was expecting those to be, you know, um, high-intensity games, and I'd moved one from earlier in the season to date that I just couldn't go to. So um, seeing stuff like that, it it was just, uh, you know, I think I got my fill, and it's like I'm looking at it, and it's like, yeah, there might be a few more on the schedule that I have, but it's like, kind of don't have any desire to go back to the ballpark this year. Uh, it's like Jerry doesn't deserve that beer money um, that I would spend there. So uh, it, it's, it, it's been a rough ride overall. And I think one thing that you didn't mention there that I do want to interject with is uh, that diamondback series. And, and we were there for that Friday night one. And when you lost that, every, so the mentality went to, Oh, we got to take two of three. And then, you know, they, they go and get swept by a uh, NL basement dweller. And that really, Kind of at that point, I think a lot of people you had to sell the uh, sell the team sign uh, during that series, and I think that's where a lot of people really like fell off. But then, guess what? TLR leaves dugout. They have that little bit of spark, and that was, I think, just the cruelest thing that they could do to us.
1: <laughs> well, that's pretty much. I'd say the word "cruel" pretty much sums up um, everything we went through this season because, you know, there were plenty of peaks and valleys here. There were plenty of times where, you know, everyone would. have well, – want to start using the B word saying that they're back after, you know, being able to rattle off a few wins and, you know, be able to take some of these key series, but um they'd always just kind of regress back to the mean and just, you know, if at one thing they were at least consistent in being mediocre this year. Um the, Exactly what Rickon wanted to avoid, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, the water always found its level and the Sox always seemed to just, it would always be one step forward, two steps back with this team. Um, so it, it was definitely tough to see, but at this point, we're on to next year. Yeah,
0: uh, that's honestly kind of what the mindset is. I feel like uh, among the Southside faithful, and we are very faithful. We'll, we'll say that as we're complaining about this, it's just because we care so much. So, um, if you got, you got any stories from that of how the White Sox ruined your summer, go and drop them in comment section here uh, on Tap Sports Net on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, you can go drop them in via there and our Facebook page on Tap Sports Net there um, as well. All right. This is hard to do, and this is something we usually kind of do on a season reflection show, but obviously we're kind of mourning this right now, right, because we know that the the chase for this AL Central is, you know, essentially over. So biggest disappointment this year. Um, it could be a uh, area of the team. It could be an individual player, but uh, let's hear it. I'd like to hear some. I feel like we can have multiple things here, um, but, but let's go and talk about, you know, some of the biggest disappointments and how this thing got to where it was and tail spun so badly.
1: Yeah, um, I I think for me personally, it would start with Johan Minkata and Yasmani Grandal. Uh, So, those are two guys that you and I both support. You know, we both wear their jerseys consistently to games. And, you know, we've seen flashes of of, like both these guys being able to be key contributors on this team. Uh, So, that stretch where Yasmani Grandal came back from the IL in August last year and offensively really put the team on his back. Um, you know, he looked like one of the best hitters in the world during that stretch. Uh, yeah. I want to say he was and, the third
0: best run producer in baseball during that
1: stretch. I think that's yeah, right. Yeah. It, it was something like that. And, you know, injuries being a big part of that. Um, I would say in how he kind of was, off and on this year um, had a lot of sense on the IL, and just anytime there's knee injuries with a catcher I mean you just know that those guys are never going to be the same and you know over the past year and a half he's had a lot of issues with those knees so um, whether or not that was the big reason for his drop in production in the plate I don't know but you know regardless he was just more than a shell of his former self I mean he just could not stay healthy this year. And then even when he was um, most of the time, you'd even rather see a guy like Sebu Zavala in there just because he just wasn't getting it done at the plate. And then, you know, yeah. same deal with Mankata um, incapable of being able to stay hot consistently. Didn't have that um, like gap power that he used to back in 2019. Um, and, you know, even though the fielding was pretty good for him overall this year, in uh, a key game yesterday, just really didn't have it with the glove. Right? Yeah, you had even had to text me, alert me. So, are you done officially with them
0: now? And I had gone on this show probably about you know I think it was during that hot stretch. It was during a nice stretch when, when the Sox were on the road in Oakland, right? Uh, they just won the series in Seattle. Go to Oakland and, and they put a bombardment uh, on them in that first game at Oakland. And Tony and I got on the show for a Sox on Tap After Dark, Um, and I had said that you know this is Tony had mentioned that this is what we. Expected more of consistently from mancata. maybe not five hits and five RBIs every game, but you, you get the gist, right? Of consistent, um, you know, re- run production and uh, you know, it really lacing the ball like he was at that time. Um, you got that in very, 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 very minuscule spurts. Um, I would agree 100% with you. And if you go back and listen to the show, if you listen to us around the all star break, uh, me and Steve and Tony were on here for our all star break special. And those two guys, I think it's funny that you mentioned them because. Steve and I identified those two Cubans as our second half X factors. And if they could step it up, this team had a chance. And guess what? They didn't overall. What did Yaz have? Like three home runs so far? This year, absolutely pathetic. Um, You know, all the underlying offensive numbers, also atrocious as well. So I I go with you there. I I can take that a little more general. And these guys both play a factor into it. And, And talking about biggest disappointment, this is a team built to hit home runs, right? Built on power. And we saw... When they do that consistently, what they can do, i.e. last year, right? Um, That wasn't the case from top to bottom in the lineup. You brought in, obviously, those two guys. I think you covered them well. You go and you bring in a guy like A.J. Pollock. Well, Sure, he's a hot and cold hitter, but the hot was never hot enough to really, really be a game changer of sorts and kind of ironic since their motto has changed the game. Uh, So that one didn't work out. You got Jose Abreu, who went on the longest home run drought of his career during this chase. For this division here you really could have used some of that pop um can't get on Andrew Vaughn too much he's, he did he's leading the team in home runs I believe still uh as it stands right now after tonight's game I know Gavin Sheets did deposit one uh in the eighth inning of tonight's game uh but the overall lack of power there if your top guy is hitting one I think Vaughn's up to like 17 like I I, I think it's it blows my mind when you go and you see Aaron judge, he's at 60, right? It's like, Oh, we'll get 61 and whatever. And Albert pools is going to, you know, on unbelievable second half and he's approaching 700 for his career. Um, The white Sox couldn't have one guy that can get to 20. That's really, really sad. And that
1: would be the biggest disappointment in my book. Yeah, no. And you really hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's absolutely pathetic if you ask me and um, makes me want to, retract even just putting an ounce of question into um, why Yisman Grindal was unproductive based on those knees. Um, I think Albert Pujols' knees have a few more miles on his than Yisman Grindalls. Granted, he's not s- squatting behind the plate, but um, I mean, let's be real. He looks more like he's 50 than he is like the 42 that um, he says he is. Um, and yeah, he's just out there having an absolute terror of a second half and you know i hope he is able to get that 700 but yeah guys like that being able to out hit all these guys on this team that are built for power and not even be built for power they've shown it in the past it's not like it's something that we haven't seen from them before and just turns out they're actually not capable of it um all the all of these guys top to bottom have it in there somewhere. They just didn't pull it out this year. And it's tough because it's not like it was one or two guys in that lineup that were underperforming. It was damn near everyone. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I I know
0: there's a lot of factors I can go into and we've tried to dissect it. There was, I think there was a show where we were, everyone was calling for Frank Mettuccino. I think that was uh, definitely a phase for all White Sox fans there. Uh, But then, you know, as soon as TLR leaves dugout, then they did start upping that and, and they had a stretch there where they were near the top of the league, right? In that kind of what? Three, two two-and-a-half-ish week stretch, uh, I think, towards the top of the league in those home run and uh, other kind of power categories, but obviously not enough all year. And, and as we're getting into this, you know, since the, this is, as it's titled, the White Sox ruined my summer support group, Andrew, I think one of the hardest things for me to fathom, just as a fan, we did a lot of objective baseball analysis there, talking about this team struggles, but as a fan, right, we go to the game. We, we, we go to a decent amount of them over the summer. It's always a good time meeting up with friends and, you know, tailgating in Lot B and all that. The White Sox played like shit at home and they hit like shit at home, even though it's like, what, the third or fourth most home run friendly ballpark in the league. I, A, I don't know how to explain that. So I can't even really get into like the why behind that, but. The results of it were that you had fans booing. You had fans holding sell the team signs at home. You had, uh, you know, people leaving early. Like I said, I think I left more games early just because I knew they were lifeless and weren't going to come back. And they couldn't have that big spark of uh, Brian Goodwin late walk, walk off home run like they did last year. Right. Um I just wanted to get that out there because it should be a hitters paradise. And it was the furthest thing from that for the White Sox this year. Other teams had no problem doing it, but we did.
1: Yeah, no. Uh there's really not much else to add there because that's just so darn true. I mean, you know. I they just didn't get it done at the plate. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. The only
0: guy that really thrived at home was Gavin Sheets. I think all but one of his home runs came at home. Mm-hmm. So I think I know we had that one at Cleveland in that uh makeup game um last Thursday. Uh, but other than that, everyone else, was, it was pretty lousy at home. So, th- th- and that just hurts for the fan too. Cause you, you want to see him perform well, obviously you want to see him perform well all season. Uh, and you want to see him run the table and you want to see him win a division, but giving the fans at home a show, uh, me and Tony talk about it a lot. Um, does this team have it? And last year we felt like it. We had games like the field of dreams game, right? Energy at an all time high. Felt like this team was on top of the world. They have that swagger, whatever to them. There was absolutely none of that this year. And I just want to ask you and go uh, reasons for that. You think there's some clubhouse chemistry issues and this can lead into changes for the offseason. And then also, I think a big one that everyone is pretty evident managerial. Coaching staff direction there. Um, The the biggest reasons for the White Sox not having any any bit of swagger. I know Tim Anderson was out, kind of an emotional leader of the team
1: for a while, but I think it runs deeper than just him. Yeah. And I would definitely say that a big part of that is Tim. Um, Even last year when the team had a really good record, um, it was pretty evident in the games that Tim didn't play um, the disparity in record and just offensive numbers. Run scored, stuff like that, um, was pretty high in the games that Tim played versus the games that he didn't play. Um, You know, and I think even more or less his emotional presence in the clubhouse, um, I think he was just really not super effective in the leadoff spot this year like he was last year and, you know, in like 2020 as well. Um, So I think that was a big issue that you know him being their um, emotional leader while uh not putting up the offensive numbers that he's accustomed to um i think there really wasn't much of a tone set as we like to say here um you know he just wasn't getting it done and the only times that you did kind of see this team kind of turn around and get some life towards the end of the season was when elvis andrews you know was kind of filling in pretty admirably in his role at shortstop and in the leadoff spot um really just kind of being a spark. So it just felt like they didn't have that spark um, to really be able to start and ignite rallies. And when the team was down, they just kind of laid flat and were lifeless. Um, so, I, you know, obviously, as you said, that's not all of it, but I think that's definitely a big part of it. Um, and you touched on the Tony Larusa and just the clubhouse controversy, you know, who really knows what, The deal is and what the thought is within that clubhouse obviously none of the players really went out and said anything like oh we don't like him you know everyone said they liked him but you really have to wonder deep down um if that's just kind of what they're told to say to the media or what yep exactly um you know maybe some of those guys did like him for all we know but you know seems like that could have been an issue too and also just you know Losing sucks. No one likes to lose. You're in a grumpy mood when you lose. Um, I mean, we've definitely felt that this year as fans, but um, you know, it's obviously an even bigger toll on those players that, you know, they're there day in and day out and I'm sure that they don't want to lose either. So um, I think clubhouses are more fun and have more life when you're winning, obviously. And that just happened more last year than it did this year. And You know, I I could definitely see how a bunch of losses piling up. And with some vocal leaders, I'm sure, with like guys like Lance Lynn that aren't afraid to speak their mind, kind of laying in the team, um, you know, just felt like they didn't receive it as well just because they didn't care. And um, I think just at at the point of losing that much, it was just kind of over for them. And just the clubhouse was flat. I'm, I, I'm sure they didn't like each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It can, you know, breed some animosity in there. And then to going back to just the Tim thing real quick, I think it's hard to be able to talk the talk consistently when you're not walking the walk. Um, so obviously even before he went down with this most recent injury, I know he had one, um, that sidelined him at the very end of May and into, you know, most of, the beginning part of June uh, but even uh, besides that uh he wasn't really like you had said that that kind of catalyst the set the tone guy like he was in years past out of the leadoff spot so um I think those are good points there um but getting onto to the 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 kind of management leadership sort of thing the the message how it comes through we all heard about the Bob Nightingale story right with all the quotes about the, the players and that kind of it seemed to indirectly indict Tony Larusa, right? Maybe the message was stale. Um, the, the energy that, that was, you know, coming, exuding from him was almost non-existent. Whereas Miguel Cairo was more of a fiery guy. Well, guess what? We saw that run out. And I think earlier on in the, in this run, it was kind of a sexy idea that, Ooh, could Cairo be the guy? But now after I'm hearing this and I go and I see some quotes here, um, you know, this was before the game today, I believe. Yeah. Cairo says, I'm going to tell you this. In spring training, we lost Crochet. During the season, the beginning of the season, we lost Moncada for a month. We lost Eloy. We lost Bummer. We lost Hendricks for like three weeks. On and on and on. I don't want to hear those excuses. They had more than enough talent to go and cover up for that. Uh, they could have just played up to the level that we know they can. Um, uh, So I, I would just kind of turn this around. And I'm not saying that Miguel Cairo is a bad guy. I'm not saying that he shouldn't even be back in some role. I think he was a decent bench coach if he related to those guys that well. Like they had kind of you know said in you know fewer words than uh it was kind of it wasn't explicit, right? But but the you got the vibe of that from those comments that they made in the Nightingale story. But I, I would. Go And if we're talking about how to fix this going forward, I would absolutely go externally and go and look for a manager elsewhere, not inside the organization currently. I don't know about you. you have any thoughts on that going forward?
1: No, I think you definitely have to. Um, I think this team's at the point where they need a fresh mind and a fresh input. And that's more than even just when it comes to the managerial position. the Sox, and more specifically teams owned by Jerry Reinsdorf, don't tend to operate this way, though, which is the problem. Um, Huge I think problem. if it was up to me, uh, Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn would be gone as well. But I think there was a report that came out today that – Made it seem like the only change that will happen will be a managerial change. Um, yeah, I do so, want
0: to just add in just a little addendum. I do believe, was that John Heyman or someone? Did? Yeah, I believe it is. He believes that they'll be back in their roles, but I just so, wanted to clarify that. Go ahead, continue.
1: Yeah, more or less speculation, but um, seeing as how prior events have unfolded with this team uh, over, you know, however many years seems reasonable. Seems like it could very much happen. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right in that. Um, I think there needs to be a fresh, just a fresh start when it comes to the managerial position. Now, the question is, I'm not sure who that is. I don't think many people around here know, know like who that is. You know, we've had our hands full with just this up and down season. And now that it officially kind of came to an end, uh, in this sweep against the Guardians, I I think now you kind of look at that more as a fan. And the only thing that is troublesome for me is that it seemed like there were more ideal candidates, um, back during the 2020 offseason when the Sox hired Tony Larusa instead of a guy like AJ Hinch. Um, that seemed like a clear fit that was pretty much too good to be true. And then it turned out to actually be too good to be true because it didn't happen. Um, So there's no fit like that at the top of my mind. That's, you know, this person is the right fit. This is gonna happen. So, you know, we'll see where they go with that. Right, Uh, I kind of just want to, and I agree with you. I would usually want to sit here and be like, okay, here's
0: my XYZ plan for replacement. However, Wounds are still fresh here. So we're we're all just kind of dealing with it as Sox fans, like you said, with with the kind of uh, funeral being today. And that's going to take some research and see who's available and obviously uh, see if there's any shakeup elsewhere uh, around the league. But I will just go and say that I don't think Cairo would be the answer to go and just step into that managerial role full time. Um, Man, as we're looking at this, uh, you know, getting back to our White Sox during my summer. group support here uh our, our guy brian our video editor brian uh he says white Sox owe me twelve dollars hey if that you know is part of ruining your summer absolutely
1: they they, they
0: owe you twelve dollars man get it back
1: uh it, it's, yeah, that's the price it, of it, a beer it, uh right. i think they owe me and you a lot more than twelve dollars right that, it, on top of the tickets we pay for
0: right it it, it affects you know there's so many levels and it's just it dude it's disappointing because this just on an overarching theme here. If we're going to, as we're closing down the show, uh, Kins, um, when we all came into the season, I think most fans, and it was a realistic expectation. Shit. You go back and look at our guy, a friend of the show, Austin had brought it up the other day. He did the quote tweet of it. And it was the last power rankings before opening day. And the white Sox are at number three. So the expectations for this team were high, pretty damn high. Um, and it, Looked, I think, like I said, going back to this, I think all White Sox fans reasonably expected this team to win the division and obviously take another step in the playoffs this year. Um, obviously, last year did not end how we wanted it to. Also, drew a tough matchup with Houston, but you figured um, maybe make a little more noise this year. I think a lot of people kind of had sights on maybe ALCS, right? You know, if if things go really well, get to the World Series. Um, looking at this, I could not. Even fathom at the time, if we're talking about this late March, right before opening day, that we would be sitting here talking about a team losing out to the Guardians who had DFA'd guys like Fran Reyes, who, who had cut it down to have the youngest roster in the league. I know they always have solid pitching, so I'll give them that. But other than that, you go and look at it and you're kind of like, that's a bit of a slapstick team. We should be able to power these guys out of the park. Um, it goes beyond that head to head, though. How the hell do you not take care of the royals? That's another part of what ruined my summer. Thanks, White Sox. Uh, it's been rough, it's been brutal. Um, and it's S4, over. right? Yeah, it's over now, man. It's over. Um, it's hard to do right now, but when you're looking at what's here, what's going to be here, because let's be honest with ourselves. Sure, when something like this happens, everybody demands major turnover, major change. You're not going back and scrapping for a complete rebuild right now. It's just not happening. You're not at that stage where you're doing that. So realistic expectations, I guess, for next year, where we sit right now. I know it's very premature, but you expect them to get back and be in the saddle again, because I don't really have that confidence uh based on what happened. Obviously we'd have to see a different manager. We have to see a whole lot of different change uh, in various aspects of this club. But do you think that next year there's hope? I guess is the question.
1: It's hard to say right now, obviously. Um, I know that as soon as op- opening day of 2023 rolls around, I'll be fully bought back in and, I'll be ready to go. And all the, the White Sox are uh, the best baseball team in the whole damn world. So, um, but a lot has to happen from now until then. Um, I think I I wouldn't be surprised if some moves that, you know, no one would really expect or think would ever happen, you know, could happen. I mean, I think this organization as a whole needs to really kind of think outside the box in terms of being able to identify Why these problems happen, and then not, and then just to put yourself in a position to really not let that happen again to the best of your abilities. Um, The one good thing that's going for the Sox, I guess, is that you know even though we've seen the the Guardians be very, very scrappy this year and you know win a lot of ball games in just. pretty much just more or less because they care more, um, you know, aside from that, the central division still isn't that tough on paper right now uh, as we speak here in September. Granted, you know, the guardians could make some more trades this off season. The twins could end up signing some more guys, even a team like the Royals who, you know, have some good young talent there. They might spend above their means this off season just because they think that there's a chance to, for right them new, to really go after it, some some new ops going on in some of these other places too. When you're talking about Detroit and Kansas City, yeah, yeah. So you know, um, I would like to, to think that the Sox could get back to that spot that they were last year and even exceed that. But I guess time will have to tell, and guys are going to have to step up. I mean, that on top of just you can't keep having the same injury bug with some of these guys, you know, Um, obviously you'd love to have Luis Robert or Eloy Jimenez for 150 games or so a year, but you have to have some sense of reflection if you're a front office and be like, you know, are these guys capable of putting that up? Um, If Luis Robert is healthy and he's at his best, he has that MVP type of ceiling, but um, we haven't seen that in a full season. So um, it's tough because you want to hope that these guys can do that because you know deep down that they are capable. But um, if you're an or- or organization, can you really rely on that moving forward? Right. It, it's a big question, Mark. And I, I think you brought up
0: a good kind of you know reflection. Uh, that's a good word that I like to use. And that's what we always call at the very end of the season when it's finally said and done. We do a season reflection, not a recap. And we go and look back at this. I challenge this is going to kind of be one of my closing notes here. I challenge the White Sox front office, the organization as a whole, to do a reflection of obviously players, staff, uh, in the term, you know, front office staff, coaching staff, all of that. Um, but to do an honest reflection of that and identify, I want honest opinions. Instead of sugarcoat, obviously they have to say what they have to say to the media, PR speak. We had talked about that just a little bit earlier. I want an honest answer from Miguel Cairo. If I'm Rick Hahn sitting there, say he's still in his position, you know, <laughs> who knows if that that'll uh, continue. But um, if he is there and, and they're talking, so the execs are talking and they get Miguel Cairo in there for an exit interview, I want an honest assessment of who's a problem in the dugout. Who needs to go? Right. Um, and, and then same thing. Ask the players. Okay. What's wrong. Did, did Frank Menachino really handicap you as you were, you know, you know, couldn't why didn't you put up the offensive numbers that we know that you can and I'd like that dialogue to go both ways and there might be a little bit of friction at first but guess what that's good if it goes and helps you solve the problem and a maybe there's some guys that just don't fit maybe you can then go and trade a piece that okay well this guy we thought he could have done something here and that was not the case but you go and trade him and maybe you find a better fit elsewhere that will come in and mesh better with what's going on because I think a lot of it Obviously production, there's a lot of underperformance or a lot of injuries this year. However, I do think there was a core sort of, it goes back to the it. I can't really describe the it, what it is, but you know what I'm talking about. The swagger, the energy, the, the sustained will to win, right? As Hawk would say, um, that was never there on a consistent basis. And the only way to do that is to maybe ruffle some feathers uh, within there. So um, that, that would kind of be my plan, uh, fixing it going forward. All right. We're getting about out of time here on the Sox on Tap post game show. Um, we uh, appreciate everybody for joining in uh, on this White Sox ruin My Summer uh, group session here. Uh, it's been excellent. Kins, hit me with a final thought before we sign off. It's been great having you on, unfortunately. The topic is a little bit depressing. Like I, my name here, I am depressed and ashamed right now uh, of this club. But uh, hit me with a final thought before we sign off for good here.
1: You mentioned it in your last point that um... – You know, it's hard to describe quote unquote it and you know what, the only way that you can describe it and really fully understand it, it is if you have it and this team just straight up did not have it all year.
0: Well said, man, uh, that really, man, you can go back and you can, I would love to go back and pull the sound bites from last year when Tony and I were talking about this club having it and you could just sense it right. With the, the, the contributions from guys like the Billy Hamiltons and Brian Goodwoods. And I'm not saying those players specifically were the reason why the White Sox did not accomplish their goal uh, this season. However, there was something missing in there uh, and something wasn't right. And it needs to get corrected in the off season. So, I challenge the White Sox to have those hard discussions, uh, like we've had these hard discussions on the Sox on Tap post game show all damn season. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. We hope this group session at least helped you vent a little bit. Uh, it was Akins and your boy, Johnny Nani, on the mic here. Make sure you go and check out ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at Sox on Tap and at ontapsportsnet. We'll be back. We are still here. White Sox are still playing some baseball, so um, we, we will be back and kind of uh, lament this and run you into the off season, and uh, hopefully bring you some engaging content. We always love having you on these comments. So make sure you're subscribed on Tip Sportsnet on YouTube and like us on Facebook on Tip Sportsnet. Join the conversation. Give us your take. Uh, we would love to engage with you here on the post game show. Again, another rough one, but you know how it goes. We're always going
1: to be here white socks forever for better or for worse we'll see you next year white socks hoping for better out of you white socks forever